Hello, everyone. Today, we have only one verse that we are looking at, but is we're gonna, there's, a lot, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to say about it. Um, but before we open our Bibles, I'm just going to pray for the Lord to bless um, the sermon. Yeah, please, please stand for, for prayer. Lord, we thank you for this uh, evening. Lord, we thank you that we can gather um, without problems and to look at your word, to preach your word. Lord, please bless me tonight. Um, please fill me with your spirit that it may be you speaking and not me, Lord. And I ask this in your name. Amen. So, let's open up to James, chapter 5. Um, uh, uh, yeah, James, chapter 5. Our verse is verse 12, but we're going to, let's start from verse 7, so we get kind of like a little bit of context about what it is we're going to be talking about. So, James, chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, um, Brother Andre spoke last week, um, this, these verses, verses 7 to 11, right, talking about, and what, what are we seeing here, right? Verses 7 to 11, the context of our verse, verse 12, is James is giving us a list of imperatives. What's an imperative? An imperative is a call to action, like a command, right? Do this, do this, do that, brothers and sisters. And so what we have here is a list of imperatives, right? You have be patient, um, establish your hearts, be steadfast in suffering, do not grumble against one another, so on and so forth. Look, look to the prophets, uh, brothers and sisters, look to the prophets, look to Job as our example in sufferings. And then um, in verse 12, he says, but above all, right? But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And so it's kind of strange. A lot of us might be thinking, um, I did when I first um, looked at this verse to try to um, write the sermon, like why above all, he's saying above all these things, patience, long-suffering, steadfastness in, in uh, sufferings, right? Like these, these, these big things, spiritual virtues, says, but above all, do not swear, and let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And it's kind of like, 
like above all, really, James, like above all these other things. And you like, I mean, if you and I were to make a list of like spiritual virtues, I mean, um, our, our speech and like watching what we say, I mean, it, it, it'd be somewhere like on the top, right? Maybe like maybe at least in the middle, but like we'd, we'd put it up pretty high. Like it's pretty important. We understand that. We understand it's pretty important to watch what we say. Don't say wrong things. Don't say false things. Don't lie. Don't uh, make wrong claims, etc. But like we, we'd obviously put like patience, you know, and steadfastness. We'd, we'd put that above that, right? But here, James in verse 12, he's telling us, but above all, do not swear, let your SBS and, and your no be no. And so it's kind of like, well, why? You know, that's, that's the question. Well, why? And so um, what I want to do here, since it's just one verse, you know, it's just a single verse, but what I'm, what I'm going to do, what I want to do, is um, go through the book of James. Because if, if we just had this verse by itself, if all we had was just this verse, verse 12, then, like, yes, it... Um, it, it makes sense to, to be confused, to be like, well, why does he say this, you know? But if we had paid attention, you know, to all, like when we first started the book of James, uh, if we paid attention, if we followed it all, if we know um, all the things that James has said um, up to this point, we would understand why it is he's saying, but, of, but above all brothers, do not swear, let you yes, be yes, and your no be no. So, um, but before we do that, I want to open up to some, um, some passages. Uh, for those of us who are familiar with our Bibles, we, um, James 5.12, um, our verse here, might ring some bells in our minds um, because there's some, some pas- there's some passages in Matthew, s- several passages in Matthew, and one that we said today, Matthew 12, 37. What was it? Does anyone, does anyone even remember it? For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned, right? Well, that, that's one of the passages. Um, but let's I, guess let's, I guess let's just open up to them, read them together. The first one is Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, um, from verse... 33 Matthew 5:33 Again you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn but I say to you do not take an oath at all either by heaven for it, for it is the throne of God or by earth for it is his footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king Notice here, like, it's similar language, right? James 5.12 says, um, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, right? And Matt, Matthew 5 is saying this um, similar language, very similar language. Do not swear, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by earth, for it is God's footstool. Verse 36, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And um, 
right? Like, pretty similar to our passage, you know? It's like, um, I kind of tried to look into this, see, did, did, um, was it possible for James to have had access to the Gospel of Matthew? Because that would make sense, like, where he's getting this, because it's pretty similar language, um, but I guess not, because James was written bef- um, before Matthew was written, if I'm, yeah, so, like, probably um, he didn't have it. And um, another passage, Matthew 12, which we memorized, or which we um, said today with Daniel, Matthew 12, verse 34, starting from 34, Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Right? And so, um, well, first of all, he's saying people are going to be judged for every careless word that they say. You know, it's pretty... (laughs) Pretty uh, powerful words, right? Every careless—he's um, saying that there's a parallel, right, with judgment and with the words that we speak. There's a parallel, right? What what we speak, like, um, w- will determine what our judgment will be, right? And this is in um, James five twelve. Same thing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation right? The, the biblical writers assume, or they, they know, that with words comes, like, with the, the more we speak, the more things exit our mouths, the, the higher our judgment, right? We're going, we're going to be ju- judged more. Um, but, yeah, so, and then, um, so yeah, okay, so we have those verses in Matthew, and now what I want to do is let's go through the book of James, beginning of, um, of the book of James, chapter 1. Let's open up James, chapter 1, verse 19. And this is like the first, um, and the first time we um, meet this um, warning that he says against our speech, right? James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 19, though, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And um, James says, why, why are we to be slow to speak? Why? Because quick speech leads to quick anger. He says, slow to speak, slow to anger, as in, like, slow to speak, therefore, slow, slow to anger. If you're slow to speak, you will be slow to anger. This implies that hasty speech leads very easily to anger. The reason why this is a bad thing 
is because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? Like the, the, the quicker you are to, to speak, the more prone you are to anger, to get mad easier, and the, the less this leads to righteousness, right? This is, and it's not like for the anger of man, does, it, it just, um, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It's not just that, but um, if it doesn't produce the righteousness of God, then it leads you in, um, into unrighteousness, right? James's way of saying that this, this will lead you in, into unrighteousness, into sin. So, and this is the first um, time where we see this, um, where James brings this up, this thing about our, our speech, watch your speech, this first warning that we have. A little later, let's keep going, chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 26. So James 1, 26. <clears throat> if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless, right? So... Again, right, we have, once again, James makes mention of speech. No matter how religious someone may appear, if they are not able to bridle their tongue, all that religiosity, it's, it, it's worthless, right? No matter how, like, religious and pious and devoted a person might appear to be, but if they are not able to bridle their tongue, it's all worthless, and this is interesting, you know, well, and, but um, let's, let's keep going. Um, in the same vein as this, when James, in, um, in chapter 2, when James talks about justification and faith, right, chapter 2, this very, um, we should all know James chapter 2 as like the chapter about, like where he talks about faith and justification and faith and works and how this all works. And um, you remember I think it was, um, again, bro, uh, Brother Andre who was speaking on this, James chapter 2, this, this passage about faith and works. And um, if we look at, so James 2, 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. The whole point of this chapter, right? Looking at ver um, verse 14 again, he says, what good is it, brothers, if, it, it, um, if someone comes to you and says, I have faith, you know, I, I believe in God. Like, I believe in God a lot, you know, like I have a lot of faith, you know. But what, what good is it if they say they have faith but do not have works? Can that faith save him? Is that, does, that, does that mean anything, right? To, to say, I have faith, but they have no means of demonstrating it. There's no, there's no evidence. There's, there's no way to see that this person has actually been um, transformed by God, has been changed by God, has been regenerated by God. If they say, I have faith, 
I do. I do have faith. You can't judge me. I have faith. But then it's like we look at their lives, and they're the same as uh, now as they were before they even, you know, repent. Well, not like right after being saved. Obviously, it takes time for Christians to grow. I'm not saying like, you know, you're saved and boom, you're ready to go. But like, it, take, it takes time, obviously. But if we don't see a change in a person's life, if we don't see works, if we don't see that this person is, is, like, is, is changing, then, then just saying, I have faith, just making that claim, this um, unjustified claim, it doesn't mean um, anything, right? And so, once again, we come, James um, comes to this point, and in, in talking about faith, in talking about justification, how this all works, and we can't get into it in depth, really. There's a lot to say about it, but um, okay, um, I have to um, do, do my thing. But, but um, the, the point, right? The point, once again, our words, our speech, making unjustified claims, right? Saying things, but, but it doesn't actually mean anything because there's no support for it. And so then we come to the beginning of chapter 3, James chapter 3, verse 1. He says, James 3, 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so the question, right, why will teachers... Why will teachers be judged with greater strictness than others? And be, I think we all, we all kind of know, right? They, they, when teachers are teaching, right, they are actively speaking about God's truths to people, right? They're claiming that what they're saying is, is true, right? If someone's teaching something, obviously they, they believe that what they're saying is true. And the, um, the implication is that they're, they're claiming that this is true, guys, you know, but the problem is, are you absolutely sure, like, this is true? Are you convinced? How, like, how much effort did you put um, into this to learn, to study? Is this true? Is what I'm going to be saying to these people true, right? Because, let's say, what if it's wrong, and you're teaching people wrong things, and it, obviously it's going to mislead people, lead them into something wrong, into falsehood. That's the problem, right? Teachers are going to be judged with a higher judgment because if, if they're not careful, if they're not, like, if they're not careful to try to speak truth, then God's going to judge them and say, you misled a lot of people. And obviously their judgment is going to be higher. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous right now because, like, uh, people who come up and preach, right, say sermons, you know, it, it's, it's tough. You have to make sure you're pr pretty convinced of what you're saying is true. You have to know, have a clear conscience between you and God, like, uh, what I'm saying is true, what I'm communicating to these people is true, you know, because I don't want to mislead you guys and t say wrong things. But now let's go on to verse 2, James 3, 2. He says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. 
If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I mean, this, uh, this, this is kind of crazy, right? Like he says um, in verse two, the beginning of verse two, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his body, right? Like if someone can control their tongue, they can control the rest of themselves, right? It's like he's saying, if someone is perfect in their speech, then they are perfect, you know, in other aspects of their lives. Like this is pretty crazy, right? And um, this, this, this is the power that our tongue has in our lives, our words. Uh, after all, we, we read in Proverbs, right? Those of you guys who read Proverbs, you know that Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Um, it's um, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says death and life are in the power of your tongue. And it says, Proverbs 13, 3, he who keeps his mouth keeps his life, but he who opens his lips too wide shall bring on his own destruction, right? It's pretty, like, pretty crazy, you know? Like, your, your mouth, our words can lead us into, sev like, severe trouble, right? Or, or it can save us, you know? M maybe by being silent, right? It can save us by, by being silent. Maybe don't speak when you really want to speak, you know, or if you, you know, but whatever. So, um, and then James 3, 8, moving on to James 3, 8, he says, but no, he, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Right? Once again, um, pretty powerful words. He, he says, ex, he explicitly states, our tongue is an evil. It is full of deadly poison. You know, like, it's pretty crazy, once again. Like, um, he illustrates one, um, the ambivalence of our words. He says that the same mouth can bless God and then immediately turn around and speak wrong things about those who bear the image of God. This is contradictory, he says. This is inconsistent, right? This is similar to the nominally religious man that we, right, the religious man who appears to be religious but cannot control his tongue, right? We, we saw that um, earlier in James. Or, or the man in chapter two who claims to have salvific faith but does not demonstrate it with his actions. 
Our words are worthless if they are not reinforced by a righteous um, lifestyle, by um, a lifestyle that matches it, right? That, cor that corresponds with it. And then chapter 4, moving on to chapter 4, verse, verse 11, James 4, 11. He says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And... Um, James tells us that when we speak evil against a brother in Christ, we are speaking evil of the law of God. Why? You know, this takes us back to what, what we read in uh, verse 9, where James says, with, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, right? We say good things about God, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We, we say... As Christians, we, we, we often will say that God is good. God's law is, is good. But then we turn around and we might speak evil against a brother in Christ who is made in the image of God and whom God has sanctified, right? The and the same person who speaks evil of or judges his brother is one who also sins, right? It, we, we, we also sin, um, we break the law because, as James has said, um, everyone has a tongue that cannot be tamed. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue, right? We're, I mean, we're, we're all sinners. We, we have a tongue that cannot be tamed. So we also, we say wrong things, right? We, we speak too much, you know, whatever it is, gossiping, um, etc. But... Um, we sin with our mouths because we are not able to control our mouth. And if we cannot control our mouth, we cannot control the rest of our body, as he also explained. We are also sinners who say that the law is good. Like, we, we say that the law is good, but we don't fulfill it fully, right? We, we say these things are good, like the law is good, but we obviously make mistakes and we're sinners and we don't carry it out. But we don't judge others to the same standard, right? And that's, that, that's the point here. We do not judge ourselves to the same standards that we judge others. We expect others to carry out God's law, and then we look at them, and we may speak evil of them. But we ourselves fall short of God's law constantly. We do not take the law as seriously as we might say, right? And so we effectively speak lowly of the law, right? Or speak evil of the law. That's kind of that's the point. I hope this all makes sense right I, I hope i hope this all because i can't i can't spend too much time on on one thing right but um um moving on to verse 13 in chapter 4 let's, let's um, go on to verse 13 he says come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Right? So James says that it is arrogance to make plans presumptuously, to, 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 to just to take for granted that, oh, like this will happen, this plan of mine, this will happen, right? I know, I know for sure it's going to be fine, it's going to be great, right? He said, and so, as if God is not directing the course of our future, right? He says, you guys who say today and tomorrow we're just going to go into this town and we're going to do some business, then we're going to do that, and then we're going to do that, you know, and then we're going to make some money, and then after that we're going to spend it on that, etc., etc. Right? He says, like, you, you do not know what, what tomorrow will bring, so you can't, you can't speak that way. We can't, we can't talk that way, right? Because... We don't know what, what there will be. And so we, instead, we should say, well, if the Lord wills, then that's what we will do, right? If it's God's will. And so without that um, understanding, if someone doesn't um, understand that concept, right, of that God is sovereign and, if, and um, it'll only happen if it's his will, right? If we're just like going through life assuming, right, just take, taking for granted that what we are going to do tomorrow, you know, it, um, one year from now will happen. Well, that's, you know, that's wrong, he says. He says, all such boasting is evil, right? Behind our words, there should be an understanding that if it is not according to God's will, our plans will not happen. And so when we loosely speak of future events as assumed, we sin. And then... um. So, moving on then to uh, chapter 5, James chapter 5, verse 9. And this is where um, um, brother, uh, brother Andre had, had this passage last Sunday, and so this was in his passage about the, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged, right? And once again, he says this, this thing about, do not grumble for for you will be judged, right? What's what's grumbling? I don't, you know, <laughs> you just you just I don't know. You, you kind you kind of grumble. You're just like you you don't like it, and you t you know say say something that you shouldn't, right? And you're kind of complaining or like you know uh, whatever. <laughs> you're grumbling. James says, do d don't do this, and why? Once again, so that you may not be judged, right? And once again, this parallel, right, with like what we are saying, right, what, what our words are, grumbling, complaining, whatever it is, is paralleled with our judgment, what our judgment is going to be. So, and um, to remember, right, what's the context of our verse in James 5.12, what's the context? You guys, you guys remember, right? A list of imperatives. We have be patient, right? Be patient, establish our hearts, do not grumble against one another, be steadfast in sufferings. And then, verse 12, but above all, he says, but above all, do not swear. And so, 
you know, once again, it's kind of like, well, um, is not patience more important than, you know, not swearing or speaking too much? Is not patience, is not long, long suffering, steadfastness, are not these things more important? Are not they higher than this? And um, uh, honestly, the, the, the um, English translation here is kind of a, a little bit misleading, I think, a little bit, maybe, you know, maybe, <laughs> don't want to say, say something wrong here, but the, this word that he says, but above all, this word above in the Greek is the word pro, we kind of have a s similar word in Ukrainian, pro. It, it's the word pro, and it, it means, um, it doesn't really mean like above necessarily. It means like before, like in front of, in first place of, in advance of, right? So it's not like he's saying, like not swearing is more important than patience. The point is that Controlling our tongue is the first step to all other spiritual virtues. Saying before you can be a patient man, you have to be a man who is trying to control your mouth, right? Doesn't make sense to say, well, like this brother, this guy, he he's really patient. He is so patient. I mean I mean he does he does kind of have problems controlling his speech and he kind of says things he shouldn't uh, very often and all that kind of stuff. But, but aside from that, he's, he's very patient. Like he's a very patient guy. It doesn't, it do, that, that doesn't really make sense, right? You know, it's an oxymoron. Well, if, if he was patient, then he'd be patient in, um, when it comes to speaking or lack thereof, right? Not keeping silent, right? He'd be patient in, in, the, um, in the aspect of using his words or not using his words, right? Before we can have long-suffering and steadfastness in our uh, trials, right? We, we, have, we, we can't, we're, we're not going to be people who can go through those things if we don't have a mind that is able to also like the, this first step, the first step is being able to like to watch your tongue, you know, to sit and um, and he says, uh, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What does that mean, right? I mean, like some, someone asks you a question, you can only reply with yes or no. You have only two options, can't say anything else. Well, I can't, I can't say maybe, or I can't say I'll get back to you on that or something like that, right? It can only be yes, and it can only be no. Well, that, well, obviously that's not what he's saying. The point is that say what is necessary. Say what needs to be said. Don't like, you know, embellish your speech. Don't like, you know, say things you don't, you don't have to say. Uh, oftentimes, I found in my life, it's like, um, when, like once you start going, <laughs> once you start saying something, once you start uh, talking, like, oh yeah, I can make it to that, yeah, and then I'll like I'll come there, and, like I'll like we'll do that, and then yeah, and then afterwards, you know, it'll be like that, and and I'll come, uh, I'll be ready to do this or that, and you like once you start going, it's hard to let to stop to stop, right? It's like you just you just keep going, you just say things that 
that like deep down I'm thinking, well, actually, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to do that. Why did I just say that? Well, I'm not even sure if I can even do it. And you just kind of like just just keep going, right? This this problem of excessive speech, right? Saying above what is necessary. Well, don't don't do that. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Say what is necessary. Say what you honestly think the person should know from your end. Like you know, it's not like you have to only say like few words. Like you can only say like a couple of words, and that's it. And you have to just like shut up for the rest of your life, and you can't talk. You know, the the point is like you can say a lot of like. Well, we have sermons. The guy comes up and he says a lot of words at one time. Well, it's like, make sure that, like, you, you can say a lot of things. You can say, you can have many words about one thing. Make sure it's necessary, right? Make sure there's a reason for why you're saying these things. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then lastly, we come to, so that you may not fall under condemnation, right? And once again, as we saw, Words and judgment, they go together. The more um, things we say, the more we speak, what comes out of our mouths, the higher our judgment will be. All the things that we looked at earlier, whether it's hasty speech, excessive speech, unjustified claims, teaching, not living up to what we say, are all things that will increase our judgment. Excessive speech shows an unbridled tongue. And an unbridled tongue is a sign of an unbridled mind, right? I mean, like, before you say things, obviously, it comes into your head to say it. You get the thought to say it. And if you can control your, your mind, you can control what you will say or not say, right? Your mind will be strong enough to to filter out the things I should say, things I should not say. And so this is very important. I guess this is like the whole crux of the, the message is that we, ha we, we, ha we have to be, we have to be Christians who are able to bridle our minds, right? We have, and in, the, the only way we can do that if, is if we have a transformed mind, if we are regenerated, if God has changed us. Because if, if not, then we are sinners. We are lost. We, you know, we, we can't save ourselves. We are stuck in sin. We are slaves to sin. And we, we can't, we're, we're going to just keep going and saying things that we should not say. We're going to keep going into our wicked lifestyle unless... There's a supernatural and, and divine intervention from God to save us, to regenerate us. And so our mind needs to be transformed, right? And if um, do those words ring a bell to anyone? Transformed mind, right? Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We, um, we can open up. Let's, let's open up to it whoever wants. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a, a passage that we should all, I think, um, have memorized or at least uh, know what it's saying. This is very important. Um, Romans 12, 2, 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? But be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? And uh, often in scripture, the, the, like, the mind is associated with like the heart or like when, Je when, when it says, um, when Jesus says, why do you think evil in your hearts, right? It's like, it's, it's a, the point is your, your, your soul, right? It's like, it's not, it's not really your, your heart, you know, like this muscle that is what, is what is being talked about when we say your heart needs to be changed, right? We're talking about like the person's soul. We're talking about the mind. The mind must be transformed. A transformed mind is not able to control it, the tongue, you know, and therefore not able to, to control your body. And so I want to, you know, if, if, if we do not, um, if, we, if we are not sure that I am transformed, yes, like God has saved me, um, my mind has been transformed. If, um, if we're not sure of this, if we're not sure that, yes, God has changed me, regenerated me, to, to um, want to not say things that I know I shouldn't say, to try to do better and better, right? At least, like, we're not, we're not going to be changed, like, um, all at once, but at least, like, we, can, we, we know that we have a desire for holiness, a desire to you know, do what we should do and to, to obey God's law, right? Christ's commandments. And so if we, if we do not see this in our lives, right? If we say that we have faith, right? Like in James chapter two, if we say that we have faith, but we're not, but our, we, we are not demonstrating or we can't demonstrate that, we, that I actually do have this faith, then, then that's a problem, right? And, um, you know, um, I'm not, not going to do an altar call, obviously. I don't like those, but just, you know, um, if, um, if you feel the Holy Spirit moving in you, right, convicting you of sin, convicting you of your sin, right, then pray to God and r repent, come call, um, uh, for whosoever calls, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right, come to God in repentance, and and we will, we will get a, tr and God will regenerate us. He will give us life, and He will transform our minds. Right, to to, as He says, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, so. That's it. Amen. Um, let's pray or stand up and pray.